Welcome to a very special segment of the Gay Archive show, where Amber LeMay, the Larry King of drag queens, flips the tables and interviews me about the Gay Archives project. Since starting Amber Live back in March of 2020, I've talked to a lot of people. But you know what? Other people have asked to interview me as well. And one of them is Art Smith. And so I want to talk to Art now. Art, come on in. Hi there. Hi. Thanks, Amber. It's great to be here. All right. So you have Gay Barchives. What is the Gay Barchives? So Gay Barchives is a project I started about almost three years ago that um, is intended to preserve the memories of the gay bars that we loved and lost. And so far, over the past three years, I have cataloged over 2,000 gay bars across the U.S. that no longer exist. Now, what, what's the earliest bar that you've archived? So that's kind of a complicated question because prior to World War II, there was really no such thing as a gay bar. They didn't advertise gay bar. Uh, they didn't have gay publications to advertise in. So they were euphemistic. Um, they were, you know, they had open-minded, um, attitudes, but they didn't specifically say, you know, gay bar. However, keeping that in mind, the oldest one that I have found, um, was in New York. It was a restaurant, um, that was, uh, called Charles Pfaff's, P-F-A-F-F, and Charles Pfaff was the owner of the restaurant. And downstairs, they had a little beer cellar, a little hole-in-the-wall bar that was frequented by people like Walt Whitman, uh, a lot of Bohemians. Uh, it was well-documented in the um, New York City police uh, records as being busted for homosexual activity. So, And that was in the late 1800s. So... We're talking about 150 years ago. Um, so far, that's the, the oldest one. There was also one in Cannes, France, which I'm not counting because it's outside the country, uh, called Zanzibar, which was very flagrantly a gay bar um, for about the same amount of time. What are your first memories of going to a gay bar, and which bars were they? So the very first gay bar I ever went to um, I was kind of lured in there. I didn't know I was going. Um, I had a boyfriend in high school, and I went to visit him his first year in college. He was going to school in Baltimore. And we went out to dinner one night. And after dinner, he said, let's walk down the street here. We're going to go to a bar. And I was like, okay. Um, so he walks me down to this bar. We go inside and order a drink. And... I turn around and I'm looking, I'm standing at the rail watching the people on the dance floor. And after a few minutes, I realized they were all men. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Cause I didn't even know at that time that really there were such a thing as gay bars. Uh, that bar, it was 1978 was the year. And that bar was the hippopotamus on eager street in Baltimore, Maryland. It remained open until 2015, so it closed about seven years ago. What is the longest uh, um, running gay bar in the country right now? Um, 
That's also a complicated question um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, it depends on exactly how you define the longest running gay bar. So there's one in Oakland, California called the White Horse that has been around uh, since the 30s and is still operating as an openly gay bar. That would be my vote for the longest running bar. Some people say Cafe Lafitte in uh, New Orleans, which right. also has been around since the 30s. I would disqualify that bar because it has changed locations and technically names. It was originally called Cafe Lafitte, and now it's Cafe Lafitte in exile. In exile. Because they were forced to move. Um, and... Um, so I'm not so sure how, if you would count that one. And then there, there's also one in New York that's pretty well known. Um, Julius has been operating since the Depression as well. But there's questions as to whether the first, you know, in the 30s and 40s, whether they were gay friendly or not. So they've been operating as a bar since the 30s, but not really predominantly a gay bar until maybe the 50s. What period of time would you say had the most gay bars in the United States? I would say, and I, I haven't actually done the, you know, the research year by year to document this, but I believe, and from conversations, I've done almost 100 interviews with people talking about the gay bars. Um, I believe I would have to say the 80s. Um, the 80s was probably the strongest time for gay bars for a number of reasons. One is that in the late 60s and 70s, we had that kind of free love movement, um, you know, peace and the, and the flowers and Woodstock and smoking pot and, you know, all this free love kind of movement. And it opened up the minds of a lot of people to accepting um, gay bars and gay society in their in their town. So I think that was part of it. Um, there were also changes in the law that allowed women to have more rights in the 70s and uh, that that gave them a little bit more freedom. And so I think in general, society was becoming a little bit more open minded. Um, and you started to see bars open up. You also started to see less um, police intervention uh, for for the 50s and 60s and even into the 70s, a lot of times the police would come in and harass gay bar patrons and owners. Um, after Stonewall, that diminished and you started to see a little bit more proper, you know, proper businessmen, gay owned gay bars as opposed to mafia owned or, you know, whatever. So um, I would have to say the 80s. And of course, the other thing is, that was a big impact was the disco era because when disco music hit the streets, it opened up a whole new mindset and you started seeing people of color intermingling with gay people, intermingling with straight people uh, because the music was what drove it. And so many of the discos were either gay owned or gay friendly. So, that started to expand the world of, of gay bars, too. All right. You said that the 80s was the boom of gay bars. Well, the 80s also had AIDS. How did that affect the gay bars? Well, they became important um, for a different reason. You know, in the, in the 70s, um, especially for the men's community, 
the bars were a place to hook up and and find a sex partner for the day or the night or the afternoon or whatever. Um, they were also a place to meet some like-minded people. But when AIDS came along, they became the center of the community where you did all your fundraising, your exchange of information. The local health authorities started distributing uh, flyers and condoms and all kinds of things to help uh, promote safe sex. Um, you started finding drag queens coming in and doing um, you know, performances at no charge to raise money to pay for the uh, hospitalization and care of the people who uh, were HIV positive at that time. So they became a very important part of our community at that time. And I think that may also be another reason why the number of them exploded is because people that may not necessarily have been bar people felt the need to go out and support the community at a time of need. I remember sitting in a, a gay bar in Lima, Ohio, sitting around and the bartender saying, hey, I read the New York Times about this gay cancer. You guys heard anything about that? And that's when it first came on my radar was at a gay bar. And that's where information has always been disseminated about health care, testing, condoms everywhere. <laughs> so what an important uh, part they had in, in, in the uh, the fight against AIDS. You talk about um, it's the gay archives, right? Uh, th does this include also lesbian bars? It does. Um, going back to my days of coming out of the closet and going to my first gay bar, everything was gay. Gay was the word for the community. Um, all the national organizations. It was the national gay task force. Now it's the national LGBTQ plus task force. But back then, gay was the name for the community of um, male homosexuals, lesbians, drag queens, transvestites, transsexuals. They were all bundled into a group that was known as gay. And I chose that word partially because it's a lot easier than saying LGBTQ plus whatever. Um, it's also because many of the bars that I have identified and have spoken about were would consider themselves gay bars historically. A bar in 1982 did not call itself an LGBTQ bar. So that's part of it as well. Uh, and another reason is because internationally, I think the word gay is more common because other languages have adopted it. So, for instance, in France, if you're going to a gay bar, it's a bar gay. The French word for gay is gay. So, um, whereas the acronyms would change depending on the language, you know, depending on what you call a lesbian or what you call a bisexual in your language, you would have a different acronym, and that makes it more difficult. But in any event, I make it clear on my website and in the interviews, I've used the word queer, um, some people find offense to that, but I've used the word queer. I've used LGBTQ. Uh, I've used homosexual. It, it, I mix it up because I wanted people to realize that it's basically about the whole community. That's right. I, you know, I remember just being gay and then uh, gay and lesbian and GLB. And uh, then all of a sudden it was LGB. I want to know who decided to put the L first. <laughs> so I'm going to go out on a 
on a ledge here and say that it was probably a lesbian. <laughs> a very vocal lesbian. Yeah, she said, I, I want to be first. Okay. So, so. if I uh, clicked on the gayarchives.com, uh, what would I see? You would see a lot of things. I have pages on there that um, list all the gay bars that I have uncovered. So there's a, a tab that says bars, and it lists all the bars um, by city and state. So you can go and look at whatever city or state you're looking for and see how many bars I know about. And if you if I missed one, everybody and anybody is welcome to uh, reach out to me. Oh. My email is gaybarchives at yahoo.com and send me an email and say, Hey, you missed this bar. Um, Amber did that to me in our interview. She said, you missed Baker's bar in Lima, Ohio, get it in there. <laughs> so it's going to be added today. Um, so exciting. But um, you will also find a tab on there called TV, like television or transvestite, however you want to, uh, and TV is where I list links and descriptions to all 99 um, interviews that I've done so far. And you can go and watch each one individually. So you can choose the ones you want to see. And they're all I'm listed. number 99. Yes. Amber is number 99. Yes. And, um, and then I also have a tab there. And this is something that's going to be really important to people who have an interest in, in LGBTQIA plus history. I have a tab on there called archives and archives because of the nature of the research and how much time I spent trying to find sources for information. I created a single page on my website called archives that lists all of the online websites for archives anywhere I could find them. So you can go in there and look under the state of California and find the GLBT History Society's archive for San Francisco or the one archive in, in um, uh, Los Angeles or any of them. And there's over a hundred different archival websites on that listing. So if you're curious about your history of gay bars in your area, whether that's Pittsburgh or Miami or Houston, you can find an archive in there and look at their website directly and find information about our history too. Fascinating. So what were you doing in real life before you started doing this? I was doing uh, small business marketing, uh, doing a lot of social media management and work for small businesses. And suddenly, in addition to the fact that the restaurants and nightclubs closed up because of COVID, uh, so did a lot of the social media marketing work because none of the businesses were open. So I found myself with a lot of extra time. And I also help a friend of mine run a um, – a small boutique he has on the weekend. So that gives me something to do. You <laughs> where, know, where, where's your home base? I'm based in Tampa, Florida. So I've, I've been here for a good while. I originally moved to Tampa in 1998. And um, I love being in the, in the sunshine and not ever needing a winter coat, really. I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that. I just wish you had better politics in Florida. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, people say that all the time. Well, you should all, all the gay people should move out of Florida. And no, the gay people should stay here and fight to make it, you know, a blue state. It's funny that um, in Tampa, as well as Miami, Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, uh, there are numerous pockets in the state that are very blue. Yeah. And here in Tampa, we have the unique distinction 
of having a mayor in, in Tampa who is not only an openly lesbian woman, but she is the first woman to serve as the chief of police in the city of Tampa as well. Wow. So she worked her way up through the police department for 30 years, became chief of police, and now she is uh, in her nearing the end of her first term as an openly lesbian mayor in the city of Tampa and um, very public about it. She makes appearances at all kinds of events and benefits with her partner, uh, who is also a high profile lesbian, um, raised two beautiful sons that are just great kids. Uh, but she's very open about it. Everybody knows she's a lesbian and nobody cares. So there's hope for Florida. And, and when she ran for her office, when she ran for mayor of Tampa, her opponent was um, had a net worth of about half a billion dollars, personal net worth. And he wanted to be mayor of Tampa. He spent $6 million of his own money campaigning to win mayor of Tampa. And Jane beat him. In the primary, there were nine candidates. You have to get 51% of the vote to win. She got 48.5%. So they had a runoff between her and the very wealthy guy. She beat him three to one. And he had spent $6 million to win. So, you know, she had a strong following. And um, it just makes me – make, I, I know Jane. She's a Jane Caster. She's a great woman, very friendly. And um, I'm just – it's kind of – cool to know that you live in a place that can you know just like you said about bernie sanders from burlington it just makes you feel good about where you're from when you know yes it does well art thank you so much for talking to me about your archives and that's fascinating and i can guarantee you people are going to click on your website and they're going to say hey what about my favorite bar where is it i hope so All right. Well, thank you so much, Art. It's great talking to you, and our paths will cross again. All right. Thank you, Amber. Thank you. Thank you so much, Art Smith. That was a great time talking with you. And now, for you viewers, if you go to his website, look for any city in the country, and click on it, and if you know of a gay bar that's not listed, write Art and tell him about it. To see the full segment on Amber Live, go to the Amber Live YouTube channel or visit amberlive.tv. To learn more about the Gabe Archives Project, go to gabearchives.com.